Today, I wanna to speak to you about the top five books that you must read before the end of 2020. And these are five new books that are released in 2020. And when I speak about this top five, you are gonna be surprised at what my number one book is. So make sure you watch all the way to the end because you're gonna be shocked. It doesn't have anything to do with spirituality. Well, somewhat, somewhat. So make sure you watch all the way to the end. And one book that I haven't included in this top five list is my new book, Emotional Intuition for Peak Performance. So if you haven't pre-ordered my book, or depending on when you've watched this, if it's beyond June 16, if you haven't bought my book, please consider it. And I have a link in the description. And I hope you all enjoy that book. But for the benefits of not being biased, I haven't included my new book in this top five. But yeah, I hope you all consider it. So these top five books that I'll mention to you today are some of the deepest books in Eastern spirituality that are released this year. And there's a, there's a few titles that are actually uh, a, new, a new publication of an older book, but we'll get into that. So first of all, number five is a book by the Dalai Lama, and this is Zogchen, Heart Essence of the Great Perfection. So this book is a famous book by the Dalai Lama, and it's, a, it's an old, actually an older book, but this is a, a new publication, and it's beautifully presented, and I mean, the content in this book is just mind-blowing. And But what you may realize is that if you do purchase this book, if you do buy Zogchen, it's likely not for beginners. Now, a lot of people comment on me like, they saw an image of me watching the Dalai Lama uh, delivering the Avalokiteshvara empowerment. You know, these sorts of teachings are not technically for beginners. And these are usually esoteric teachings. It is kind of strange that a lot of these esoteric teachings can be broadcast live on YouTube. And maybe in ancient times that would probably be frowned upon. But that's the world we live in now where a lot of things are just accessible and a lot of people actually don't have to go through any initiation to get specific teachings, which is kind of strange in the evolution of Eastern spirituality. But Dzogchen is one of those teachings because, because Dzogchen is the heart of Tibetan Buddhism and also the Bon tradition of Tibet. And when you study Dzogchen, Dzogchen is very similar to Advaita Vedanta in, in Hinduism. So these teachings are very similar. But this book is an amazing book and it's one that I highly recommend that you you go out and buy just to read a little bit of the synopsis I'll just read you a little brief synopsis here exploring the esoteric subject of Dzogchen his holiness offers insights into one of Buddhism's most profound systems of meditation he discusses both the philosophical foundations and the practices of this system taking into account the approaches of various schools and teachers and then it goes on and it talks about how Zogchen is like the pinnacle of all the vehicles or all the practices used in, in Buddhism. And I'll speak a little bit about this in relation to another book that is in, in this top five. But this leads into also that Zogchen may even be an outgrowth of uh, Satipatthana, mindfulness. But nevertheless, this is a great book and I highly recommend it. So make sure... All of the books, actually, I'll have, I'll have in links in the description. So if you're interested in this one, go and check it out. Now, number four on the list 
is Zhuangzi, the complete writings. Now, people are probably saying, you're always talking about Zhuangzi and what about Burton Watson's translation? And yes, I do have Burton Watson's translation and I highly recommend that. But I always get excited when there's a new translation of the Zhuangzi out and particularly when it's by a scholar like Brooke Sipion. Now, Brooke has had already 10 years ago had a, a translation of the selected writings of Zhuangzi, so that, you know, some, some writings mainly from the inner chapters. But if you understand the Zhuangzi text, this, the Zhuangzi, the complete writings, has the inner chapters, which a lot of people are familiar with, and there's the outer chapters, and then there's the miscellaneous chapters. And so Burton Watson's translation, which is one of the most comprehensive, is, is of all three. And so Brooke Zipion has created this and, it's, and it's, it looks like a beautiful text and I've actually peeked a little bit inside this book and it, and it looks amazing and anything to do with Zhuangzi as you know if you've been watching my channel long enough I, I highly recommend you know this any book by him and you know a lot of people are familiar with Lao Tzu but you don't get a clear picture of Taoism if you don't understand Zhuangzi you know you can you, Lao Tzu is like a you know, the beginning of understanding Taoist philosophy and Zhuangzi complements the foundational understanding that Lao Tzu explains in the Tao Te Ching. And so the Zhuangzi text is very important. And I'll just read a little bit of the, the synopsis. Brooke Supion's carefully crafted, richly annotated sorry, I'm just learning to speak English, translation of the complete writings of Zhuangzi, including a lucid introduction, a glossary of essential terms, and a bibliography, provides readers with an engaging and provocative deep dive into this magical work. So there's a, a lot has gone into this book. And if any of you are familiar with people who translate, especially ancient texts, it's not such an easy game. So you have to always pay respect to these individuals who actually can translate, especially Chinese, into to English. So, the, you know, as I said, any, anything with the Zhuangzi I highly recommend. And don't be surprised in this top five if you see the Zhuangzi make another appearance. So make sure you go out and get yourself a copy. The third book that I recommend is Mindfulness in Early Buddhism, Characteristics and Functions by Bhikkhu Analio. And there's actually a forward by Rupert Gethin. And if you're familiar with Rupert Gethin, he's got, you know, uh, many amazing books on Buddhism. And he's a wonderful scholar. But Bhikkhu Analio in and of himself is an amazing scholar and monk. And he's actually very popular within Buddhism and, and also the mindfulness movement, so to speak, or people interested in mindfulness practice. He became popular with his book, Satipatthana, The, the Direct Path to Realization. And that actually was a publication of his PhD thesis of the Satipatthana Sutta back in 2000. So four years later, they published it as a book as I said, as the direct path to realization, or Satipatthana, the direct path to realization, Satipatthana here being the original practice of mindfulness. And what I, why I like Bhikkhu Analyo is because he, he especially appreciates the ancient 
elements of Buddhism. And as you guys know me, I usually like <laughs> the ancient. I like the older practices and the older traditions, but I also like to see the actual evolution of these practices. And I think Bhikkhu Analio is the same. And his writing can be very scholarly, but if you want to up your game, if you want to up your understanding of Eastern spirituality, reading people like him is very important. Reading scholars like him, I should say, is very important because he has a really clear understanding of the evolution of Buddhism and also the practice of Satipatthana. And so this book, why it's called Mindfulness in Early Buddhism, is he trails kind of Sati, how Satipatthana evolved out of early Buddhism and you know went into Theravada and Mahayana and, and also into Tibetan Buddhism, as I mentioned before, with uh, Zogchen. So some of the actual... I can read some of the synopsis here just briefly. Mindfulness in early Buddhism is a timely and thoroughgoing examination of the significance, meaning, and development of mindfulness in early Buddhism. Buddhist meditator and scholar Bhikkhu Analyo here provides answers to questions such as, to what extent is mindfulness an originally Buddhist concept? Is there a place for bare awareness and what are its results? What is the significance of mindfulness of the body and what are its benefits? How does mindfulness relate to memory and to the practice of recollection? And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And it also goes on to state that uh, he shows how from early Buddhism, mindfulness evolved into modern Vipassana and Dzogchen traditions, understandings. So this is going to be a very comprehensive book. And I'm actually really excited about this book because I, I really actually enjoy the, understanding the evolution of Eastern thought within Asia and, and especially the practices and how they sort of evolved into different traditions, becoming teachings such as Vipassana, coming from Theravada and also Zogchen, you know, as I mentioned earlier, having its roots in Bon and also uh, Tibetan Buddhism. So really excited about this book. Actually, I highly recommend any of his, his books. Bhikkhu Anale, he's a prolific scholar. I'm a prolific author, I should say, prolific writer. He's, he's got many books actually that really pinpoint a lot about Satipatthana about mindfulness but he also goes he also has another book about rebirth which is a great book that I think you should read and some people uh, in a sense get put off because he's his writing is very scholarly but as I said if you want to sort of up your game and your understanding of eastern spirituality you need to also you know ab, you know absorb yourself in this knowledge and if you're not at that level you know up your game and get at that level. You know what I mean? There's one way to up your, up your vocabulary and your understanding is by reading great scholars like that, which will actually benefit your own, you know, oration and your own ability to um, speak very clearly about these subjects. So I highly recommend that book. And and actually, any of these other books. Actually, Satipatthana, The Direct Path to Realization, I highly recommend it, as a book specifically for meditation and mindfulness. I really, I really recommend that book. So number two in my top five books to read before 2020, it was really hard to put this at number two because I really wanted to put this at number one. 
but because I'm always so engrossed in these teachings, it, it didn't get a place there because the book at number one is a little bit different than what you're kind of accustomed to on this channel. So number two is Zhuangzi and the Becoming of Nothingness by David Chai. Now David Chai is a great scholar on Taoism and I've actually been very excited about this book for a long time. It actually was published last year, but the paperback didn't come out till didn't had not been published until this year. And so I'm super excited about this book because this go dives into the element of nothingness in the Zhuangzi that a lot of people actually don't talk about or a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people just think Zhuangzi is about, you know, uh, effortless living, about uh, cultivating skill, about how to live effectively in life. And yes, they are part parts of the Zhuangzi and they are important elements of the Zhuangzi. But there is a nothingness component to the Zhuangzi, which is very important. And I think a lot of us don't understand it. And this is why actually a lot of people believe Zhuangzi was one of the original Zen Buddhists. Because because he is kind of one of the, he is more of a bridge between Taoism and Zen than say Lao Tzu, because Zhuangzi has, it's kind of a, an expansion of the Tao Te Ching, the Zhuangzi text. It's kind of you could almost say like an expansion of the the Tao Te Ching, where a lot of the ideas become more solidified and uh, become more practical, but also become more humorous and become, you know, more. There's a lot more. Uh, analogies within the Zhuangzi and there's a lot of things like this so just to read a little bit of the actual synopsis it says investigates the cosmological and metaphysical thought in the Zhuangzi from the perspective of nothingness Zhuangzi and the becoming of nothingness offers a radical rereading of the Taoist classic Zhuangzi by bringing to light the role of nothingness and grounding the cosmological cosmological and metaphysical aspects of its thought through a careful analysis of the text and its appended commentaries, David Chai reveals not only how nothingness physically enriches the myriad things of the world, but also why the Zhuangzi prefers nothingness over being as a means to expound the authentic way of Tao. This is going to be an amazing book, I'm telling you. This is going to be the book... Oh, look apart from my book, Emotional Intuition for Peak Performance, but this will be the book on Taoism for 2020 in my belief. And actually, from reading some of David Chai's work, you know, he, he's a great scholar and I highly recommend his work. He's actually got a few other books out, which I wanted to put, he's got another new book out, which I wanted to put on this list, but I didn't because, uh, you know, just to have a bit of a more balanced approach here for the top five for you guys but this this book is going to be amazing and i highly recommend it and anything to do as i said with the drunks is important not just for people who are interested in Taoism, but also for people who are interested in buddhism and also hinduism because drunks encapsulates what it means to live from the essence of eastern thought that holistic way of living and that understanding that the intrinsic nature of the universe is within everything as one. So, but it's framed differently through different traditions. So, you know, again, a larger conversation, which I won't get into here. You have many of my videos about that. But anyway, I highly recommend this book. 
Now, my number one book for 2020 is probably going to surprise you. It's not like a classic of Eastern thought. It's not like anything to do with Taoism or Buddhism or Hinduism. It's actually a book by Joseph Henrik. Now, if you're familiar with Joseph Henrik, Joseph Henrik is an amazing professor and scholar on anthropology, on cultural evolution. I mean, his work is fascinating. His last book, The Secret of Our Success, I highly recommend. And it goes into a concept or a theory, I should say, called dual inheritance theory, which, which is an idea of gene culture coevolution. So this coevolution of genetics and culture and how they shape, how they have shaped humanity. And why I'm interested in this sort of work is because I'm fascinated with the evolution of Eastern spirituality in Asia and also cultures in general. And so and I think that we're all sort of fascinated by that, right? We're fascinated by the evolution of culture and how did we end up the way we are now. <laughs> I'm talking on YouTube and, and, you know, we have this language and, you know, these are all parts of a cultural evolution and gene culture coevolution goes into this idea of accumulative uh, cultural evolution, this, this accumulation of culture that's been passed down from generation to generation and constantly shaping the future generations. And so, but it's a much deeper concept than that. But his book from 2016-17, the, the Secret of Our Success, goes deeply into that. I highly recommend that book actually before reading this one. And I mean, if you watch a, watch a lecture by Joseph Henrik, you know, I, I highly recommend because he's so on point about this cultural evolution and this dual inheritance theory. And it just makes sense when you think about it. When you, when, you, when you understand what he's speaking about, it just makes sense. I mean, I don't want to go too much into it because I, I will make future videos about his theory. And I have actually spoke about his theory a lot throughout, especially my episodes of Enlightenment today and the sort of the evolution of cognition. Because this sort of lends into the evolution of cognition too because Joseph looks at a lot of the differences between East and West and he actually speaks about this in his new book, which is not out until actually September. And his new book is called The Weirdest People in the World, How the West Became Psychologically Peculiar and Particularly Prosperous. Now, I know that's completely different from the usual books I recommend to you guys on my channel, but I am just so pumped up for this book. But I got to tell you, you got to get ready to read this book. You know, it's 700 plus pages long. It's a, it's a monster. It's a behemoth. I may not get to this book until next year with all the <laughs> books I'm reading and, and all of these YouTube and YouTube content I'm creating and all the writing I'm doing. I may not get to it till next year. Probably need to take a big break. When we look at this book, when he says the weirdest people in the world, what does he mean? Now, weird is an acronym. Weird's an acronym that he and other scholars have used for a uh, a short while, which uh, refers to Western, educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic. So, see, it's an acronym, weird. Now, in the book, he gets into why this weird, these weird people are psychologically peculiar and why it is this kind of new phenomenon that we have in the world. You know, it's, it's a very recent phenomenon and very unusual 
compared to the normal psychological state of the world. And a lot of people probably watching this maybe in the West and they may think, what are you talking about? And it's like, yeah, but the way that a lot of us think in the West is actually quite new. Now, let me read some of this synopsis here because this will give you a better understanding of, of the book, which I've probably I butchered. So, a bold epic account of how the co-evolution of psychology and culture created the peculiar Western mind that has profoundly shaped the modern world. That's, that's a very important point. Perhaps you are weird, raised in a society that is Western, educated, industrialized, rich, and democratic. If so, you're rather psychologically peculiar. So unlike much of the world today and most people who have ever lived, weird people are highly individualistic, self-obsessed, control-oriented, non-conformist, and analytical. They focus on themselves, their attributes, accomplishments, and aspirations over their relationships and social roles. How did weird populations become so psychologically distinct? What role did these psychological differences play in the Industrial Revolution and the global expansion of Europe during the last few centuries? Now, as, as I mentioned, he, Joseph is going into the, the, especially the differences between West and the, basically the rest of the world. So basically these weird people that you may be and you may consider myself to be and the rest of the world. And so, and, and you can sort of see why this is important for, if you're interested in Eastern spirituality, why it's important for you to read. Because as you know from watching my channel a lot, when we talk about Eastern thought, we're talking about the holistic cognition. We're talking about a more older cognition that's more related to the hot cognition that is, you know, that has developed holistic philosophies and holistic spiritual traditions. But opposed to that is this individualistic consciousness that is, is, is becoming kind of the norm because of this weird revolution, so to speak. So we are becoming very self-obsessed, as Joseph says, self-oriented, non-conformist, and analytical. And so when you look at the evolution of cognition within the West, as you know from a lot of my videos, we concentrated, we evolved using much more of the cold cognition, which contributed to more individualism and also our philosophies and worldview became more individualistic, as opposed to the East, where there was a lot more hot cognition, more collectivism, you know, there was more an orientation towards you belong to a world rather, as opposed to you're, you are separate and from a world. So, I mean, I'm so excited about this book. There's, there's going to be so much to learn from this. I've actually watched... Recently, I've watched uh, many lectures from Joseph about this book, you know, leading up to this book. So um, hopefully he hasn't given too much away in those lectures, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't because this book is, like I said, it's a behemoth. It's a 700-page monster. So you'll need to kind of clean your schedule out and just, you know, get ready to dive deep. But as I said, this book... I highly recommend because I think it will benefit your understanding of Eastern thought and also why Western people misinterpret and misunderstand Eastern thought and in some sense over-sensationalize it. Um, I've talked about this a lot 
and some people really deeply understand actually most people deeply understand that but then you get the odd few you know haters or trolls who try to defend their new agey position and and you know obviously don't agree with what's been said even though the scientific data says so but and also the philosophical research research and everything uh, you know proves that that's the case so i highly recommend that and also all the other four and the other four books that i mentioned um read them in ever which order or manner or don't read them at all <laughs> who knows yeah i know that they're probably four big books to try and finish the year off with but they're the ones that i'll be purchasing and they're the ones that i'll be well at least trying to finish before you know if there's any ever spare if there's ever any spare time with you know creating youtube content i'm usually reading so i hope you guys enjoyed that top five remember my new book is out on june 16 so i hope you guys all go out and check that out remember emotional intuition for peak performance and this book for myself is is an extension of my last two books fasting the mind and effortless living so you if you're familiar with my books then this will be this will complement those last two books specifically so i hope you're all doing well out there hope you're all staying healthy and and staying positive in somewhat uncertain times but remember we're all in this together and we can't lean more into our anger we need to lean more into who we truly are which is into towards our loving nature so hopefully these books can contribute towards that contribute towards a higher understanding of the world contribute to a higher understanding of yourself and humanity so thank you for watching see you guys next time shanti shanti shanti